Thanks for joining the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, where we discuss best practices in HR, hot topics, strategy, and employment law changes that have an impact on business. Follow us on our website at www.zeniumhr.com to get access to our articles, alerts, and to listen to other podcast episodes. And now, here's your host, Brandon Laws, with today's episode. Welcome back, everybody. We are here for another podcast. My name is Brandon Laws, and I am your host. Today with me, I have Molly Kelly, who is an expert in human resources (laughs) and has been here with us several times, so we're happy to have her back. Thank you, Brandon. I love being here. Today, we're going to talk about onboarding. You have developed... Uh, what I think is a, a fantastic training, a workshop, full-blown workshop. And what we wanted to do was today expand on that a little bit and just give listeners a high-level overview of what is onboarding, uh, what it means, and what to look for and those sort of things. So we'll dive in. Um, give us an overview to start. What is onboarding? Yeah, it's, you know, what I've realized in doing a lot of research and then work with our clients um, over the last eight years um, is, you know, people have different definitions of onboarding. Um, orientation is what we typically think of as onboarding. So most companies, I think the statistics are something like 70% of, of all employers are offering an orientation process. And what that usually consists of is going through the new hire paperwork. Um, the know, boring stuff. The boring stuff, the thou shalt not, you know, <laughs> darest thou not, that kind of thing. Um, going over handbooks, um, maybe looking at job description, but often it's it's pretty high level so um, and that process typically happens with the HR manager or office manager or something like that for an organization Um, onboarding is a more comprehensive thought process around it so there are some companies out there that spend up to a year to a year and a half onboarding so it's a recognition of the fact that an employee needs time and support to integrate to an organization that's beyond just signing some documents, essentially. So that's kind of what we're diving into here. Yeah, that's hard to get your head around. It uh, is. A year-long process, and that's yeah. something that, when you think of onboarding, that's maybe the first week or something. So exactly. exactly. It's a little different for people to hear if, if they're is. not privy to the term. Yeah, there's a great study um, out there that we can reference maybe for our listeners um, that was done by SHRM a few years ago where it really focused, so SHRM being Society of Human Resource Management, focused on um, the fact that, again, most employers are focused on the compliance pieces, so getting the W-4, the I-9 completed, being able to pay this person, Um, and that there's another three C's. That was kind of the way they divided it up. So there's four C's of of onboarding, the other three C's being clarification, what am I supposed to be doing, what's my job, how does that fit with the rest of the organization, culture, which is a big, huge piece of this, so who, who are these people that I've joined? What do we believe in? How do we act? How do we expect to treat each other? Um, where's my support avenue? What kinds of fun do we have? What's the inner lingo? Things like that. And then connection. And that's the relationships that are hopefully fostered through a good onboarding process where you're hopefully having the employee mix with multiple folks within the organization before turning them loose to do their job even. So so let's go back a little bit. What yeah. is... What's your expertise in terms of the onboarding? You basically built all this content. Um, <laughs> you do this for clients, yeah. and I know you've seen a lot of different perspectives, so yeah. maybe give some background on that. I, I have to say that, unfortunately, my expertise comes on the back end of 
Offboarding people uh, that have not been so you properly see the fl- onboarded. You see the flaws in full the cycle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we it's almost a better perspective. Uh, it is. It is, and it, it certainly. I mean, we do a lot of exit interviews um, here at Zenium for our clients, and as an HR business partner, I'm reviewing those and trying to give feedback to our clients to kind of shape culture and mm-hmm. retain talent. Um, and certainly, I'm sitting in termination meetings, unfortunately, at times, and having conversations with employees who are saying. Yeah, but I didn't know that was part of, you know, my job. When you hired me, you didn't tell me that's what I would be doing or you never trained me. You didn't spend time with me on this. Lack of training is a common refrain that we hear over and over again for folks who are exiting a company. And there are times when I sit there thinking to myself, I believe it. You know, we didn't set this person up for success. So there's the whole hiring process. So we have a training at Zenium, obviously, on, you know, basically making a good hire, essentially bringing somebody on and having them be successful. And we have literally one slide in that training at the very end about onboarding. Hmm. And that's it. And so up until February of last year, uh, when I was asked to do a presentation on this topic, um, we didn't have anything that addressed that gap between essentially that interviewing, hiring process, and then performance management. And there is a whole getting to know you period, and here are all of your resources, and here's what we can do to support you as a culture and a community that really that conversation needs to be happening for every company. So many questions I want to ask you, but <laughs> first I think what I want to ask is who who's involved in this process? Again, if, if you go over, maybe it's for some companies that are smaller, yeah. maybe it's a month, two month process before they're fully integrated. But yeah. that's a year. A year seems realistic yeah, to fully absolutely. ingrain them in the culture. Yeah. Who's involved in that whole process? Depends on the size of the company, and we do have um, organizations that we work certainly with that, that don't have in-house HR or maybe aren't relying as heavily on Zenium uh, to to perform their HR functions. And so then it falls onto an office manager or CFO or owner or the hiring manager at times. Um, what we like to see is a lot of involvement with, from the entire team that's going to touch that position. And the broader you can go, so if you picture it as a ripple effect, throw the stone in the pond, the further out those ripples can go, the more integrated and frankly engaged employees report feeling. So if they're having a conversation with the president of the organization on, you know, within that first week, it's a completely different picture of the company than not ever really interacting with that individual. And I'm, I'm saying regardless of what level that person's at. So they could be, you know, essentially the, the frontline, um, you know, person answering phones in a call center. It doesn't matter, you know, in terms of what position they hold. Uh, it doesn't have to be a CFO position that's going to touch the, the CEO position. It needs to be all folks feeling integrated yeah, in that. Course, this will probably be different for all sizes yes, of companies, exactly. uh, who yeah. you're actually meeting with. And, Absolutely. And, and more structure or less structure. So in in the traditional sense of an orientation process, it's typically run by HR, um, be they offsite or onsite, or a CFO or a you know hiring manager filling out the paperwork. And that's fine. Again, the part of the thinking around this or the ethos of the onboarding process is a recognition that onboarding itself doesn't stop just because we've completed our orientation programs, that an employee might have more questions or maybe more follow-up, that we owe them circle back to find out how they're doing and what support they might need in addition to us. So that could be a pretty comprehensive group. Sometimes you have mentors stepping in and helping mm. also, or a buddy. Now that's and that's nice because that's sort of like a third party to exactly. your manager. Yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, what we what we often see is a hiring manager that's pretty removed from the onboarding and the orientation process, and that really is. That's 
a major concern. But yeah, yeah, we often have, so that's HR's job to go fill out the paperwork with you. And then you come back over here and you're going to go train with Joe Schmo. Um, And that's it. I mean, their training is handled completely by somebody else. The orientation is handled by somebody else. And again, remembering that the primary relationship in an office in a industrial environment, in a nonprofit, in a for-profit, the primary relationship for between employer and employee is that supervisor or manager relationship with their employee. And if that person steps out of that introductory period, it's really, it's really not a good sign that the relationship is going to thrive and, and be meaningful for the employee. So let's go back to high level, yeah. and um, this would probably be a tough question, but I bet you can come up with an answer. Give me an idea of what the main purposes would be, maybe three three main purposes. What would onboarding yeah. try to capture? Yeah, there there has to be obviously the compliance pieces of getting the right paperwork taken care of and being really clear about our policies. And to your and point earlier, that it's part of just the new hire yeah. orientation process. So absolutely. that is still a component. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then we go into a phase that we call um, clarification, which is basically getting a better sense for what the role is performing. And that would hopefully be a review of not just the job description, but also the performance evaluation. How am I going to be measured? When is that going to happen? What is the company's process for that? So there's the performance management conversation, as well as hopefully a deeper dive in terms of how is the work that I'm doing contributing to the company's goals and missions, which naturally leaves you then into the next you know conversation, which is what is this company and who are these people and who are my coworkers? So looking fo- looking and focusing on that connection piece. Um, the Sherm article I mentioned, you know, talks about culture and connection, and those two things are kind of balled in with each other, essentially. And it seems to me that that last part you just mentioned, the culture, that's the part that can last the, the year. Absolutely. As part of the onboarding process because Absolutely. you're you're really trying to integrate in the culture, and it takes a long time for that. Yeah. Part of what we were trying to do with this training, or part of what I was trying to do with this training, was really structure it so that it's as much a reminder to a hiring manager that that just because we've checked things off a training list doesn't mean that that person is fully onboarded, that we need to be actively checking in with them and seeing how they feel and what questions they have uh, through that entire year, hopefully, to really make sure that they feel truly integrated. A big big problem for us that we're all facing in a tightening job market where we've got you know fewer and fewer employees for open positions is engagement. We want to keep the people that we hire here. And if we aren't engaging them, if they are feeling disconnected, if there's not relationships and meaningful work and purpose behind why they come through the door every day, we're going to lose them. People listening are probably thinking... I don't know where our company benchmarks against other companies. Yeah. So where do most companies fall on the spectrum of developing onboarding processes? That's a really good, that's a really good question. <laughs> and hopefully you know the answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I do only because Probably I, we sample do, size. Yeah, we do, we do quite a bit of uh, onboarding um, for our clients. And I would say that, unfortunately, the majority of our clients, you know, regardless of size, are in that compliance phase where they are just literally checking things off the list um, reviewing the handbook, filling out the I-9, the W-4, getting an emergency contact, maybe handing over a job description, usually asking the employee to review it and let them know if they have any questions, not discussing what that looks like. Um, and then they probably go right into a training mode. And again, training is part of onboarding, but I really think of that as almost its own process, its own bear as well, in that you know, really what we're focused on is 
how we facilitate a relationship, begin mm-hmm. to engage our employee in our culture. And that's honestly, I would say probably the statistic I've heard is 70% of companies stop at the filling out paperwork, oh here's your job goodness. description. So yeah. the, a lot of opportunity. A lot of work. opportunity. So this yeah. podcast should come in handy for, I hope so. for people listening. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So yeah. the, of the 70%, uh, I wouldn't consider it a failure necessarily, no. but uh, do you think it's a, a process issue or is it um, ideology issue? I think it's honestly uh, usually a process uh, issue because most of most of our clients and most employers realize that this is a really important, crucial moment yeah. in a relationship. So they, they they know that the culture piece is important. They know this is all yeah. important. So the ideology part is yeah. it's not an issue. It's the process. And I think and I think the process around that and real recognition of it being an ongoing process that you don't just we we often sort of abandon employees to figure things out on their own. Um, and I think a lot of employers would struggle with how do I train culture? You know, what does that look like? So it's a lot of conversation around what do you have for company culture and how do you introduce someone to those benefits and um, what kinds of additional support can other employees offer? Because, of course, my vision of culture might be a bit different than, different than your vision of culture unless we have a really strong unified voice. So I think the companies that lead with culture development do a much better job of this because they're already ahead of the game in terms of articulating to their existing employees who we are, what we do, why we do it. So purpose, you know, mission, mm-hmm. um, and unified in that. And, of course, their employees then are, are usually a big part of that. So everybody's living and breathing it. It's not just on a wall. So that kind of melds nicely with other work that we've been doing at Sunium. But then the companies that haven't spent as much time on that might struggle with, with some of those pieces as well. You know, it's interesting. So we've, the last few podcasts that we've done, one has been on guiding principles, mm-hmm. purpose statements. We did one on an employer branding. And what you said just kind of struck a chord with me because most most companies, when you're, when you're starting a company, you're not going to just develop principles and have an idea for a culture. And right. so a lot of these things you're doing in reverse order. And yeah. that's probably the process people go through most of the time. Absolutely. So they're going to hire people first. Yeah. They're going to figure out that there's a need to develop the culture. Yeah. And then they're going to go back and develop principles and a purpose and all those things. And yeah. they may have a mission and right. all that. Yeah. But... I imagine that they do some refining on the back end, and it Absolutely. sounds like the majority of employers employers are doing that. Absolutely. And then realizing that you're always hiring for culture as much as you are for, for the skill fit. fit. Yeah. And most of us focus on the skill fit. You know, you can do Excel, great, where you're hired. And, you know, the famous story about Zappos, um, mm-hmm. so in Tony Shea's uh, Delivering Happiness book, he mentions that, you know, during the, this is pretty well, widely known as well, during their orientation process, so their, their training, their onboarding process, Um, participants, so new hires to the company are offered, I think it's $2,000 to walk away right then and there. And if you'll quit for $2,000, no hard feelings. Money well spent. Yeah, money well spent. Exactly. I mean, you you really aren't committed to our mission, our culture. A lot of the work that they do is is around that culture piece. So it's kind of fun to hear those examples of how people have gotten creative in terms of of those elements. So So when you think of the process start to finish, what do you think are the the biggest must-haves? I really feel that having a hiring manager who's invested in that is really crucial. Um, Often we are behind the eight ball. We've been waiting for this person to start. We have work piling up. We need to get them started. And that whole orientation slash onboarding process gets shortchanged. 
and I just throw a body in a hole and I run off and start my job and, and get back to work. And if there's not that relationship uh, there, the rest of the process, it can't be owned solely by HR or by senior leadership or by an office manager or Too CFO. Too much of a disconnection. Yeah, it just falls apart. So there really has to be the understanding amongst the, the hiring managers that this is crucial, this is really important. When you think, if you think of onboarding as maybe the new way of thinking, mm-hmm. you mentioned seventy percent of people aren't doing it. Yeah, um, an old way of thinking, maybe the just the new hire orientation as as normal, the the compliance oriented paperwork. Mm-hmm. But on the kind of the further end of the spectrum, with folks that are doing the onboarding, what are some innovative things you're seeing employers do? We one of my favorites is a client of mine who is doing a um, lunch and learn with senior management. So mm. in their case, they are large enough to have classes um, for new hires. So they would bring in maybe five or six people every month and have a set date versus you know I'm hiring Brandon and Brandon's going through orientation and onboarding. Um, so in their case, though, if you're of a size where you can group your new hires together, two or three people, or frankly, if you're not of a size but you've got accessibility to your senior leadership. Having senior leadership, so having your CEO, CFO, president, having three or four senior leaders come to lunch with that new hire, um, even if it's just in the office and we're bringing lunch in, but those conversations where employees begin to feel that they understand and they know and they can put a face and a name and, frankly, you know, kids and dogs and, you know, whatever else, you know, uh, favorite sports teams to these people really makes, makes for a community and creates for accessibility and feedback and openness. So that's one thing that we've seen done quite a bit. Um, we also have seen, we've actually instituted this pretty successfully at Zenium, having interviews um, for new hires where they essentially are going to go around and interview folks in different departments to kind of get a sense of what do you do? It would be an have, exhausting day. It would be, it would be, you know, and again, they're doing it over time, but basically they're, they're not only answering questions about how we work and who we are, but you know, okay, then I know that I have that person as a resource and I've started a conversation with mm-hmm. them. They're not just a name on a phone list. I know who Brandon is. I can go see him if I have questions about marketing. It's a good way to do uh, to, bring the connection full circle because yeah. now I care about yep. your success as well as you care about my success. We're yeah. really all in this together. Absolutely. And if you operate in silos, right. not so much. Right. And of course, you know, I always say, and this is really a, a, a kind of an obvious thought, but nobody thinks of this, that the people who are going to be the most helpful to you in improving your onboarding process are your new hires. So either having a task force started where you go and talk to those folks, what went well, what didn't go well, or more importantly, and some companies are doing this as well, having a 30-day, 60-day, 90-day check-in where someone outside of the process, maybe it's HR, maybe it's you know someone else um, on the ex- outskirts, outskirts of the process, is checking in and saying, how did it go and what questions do you have and what could we do differently to improve the experience for future new hires? That's always a really a fun good part idea. two to this podcast. Maybe I'll get one of our new employees and, yeah. and see how the onboarding <laughs> process works. And that would actually be a, yeah. a pretty nice case study. I <laughs> agree. I agree. It could be that we're, we're just talking smoke and <laughs> it's all smoke and mirrors. Right. Now, I want to ask you about technology with cloud-based stuff and and just great user experiences in terms of the the, the mobile apps and all those things. How are employers using technology to onboard? Good question. There's a lot of this that that has to be done um, 
you know, at a certain timeline. So there's some pieces where you may be emailing a 99 and sending mm-hmm. them off to a notary to get that completed and things like that. Um, in my mind, and again, I'm kind of old school. I still print most of the long documents that I'm reading and things like that. I know Brandon's shaking his molly, head here. Molly, molly, molly. <laughs> but essentially, in my mind, there is nothing technologically that's going to replace that relationship. So even if I'm emailing a new hire packet um, or sending someone online to complete forms, I always chase with an email, introducing myself and setting up a time to do a phone call. When you're walking through benefits and trying to explain to people, you know, this is your deductible, this is your out-of-pocket maximum, all these complex things, or please, please call me if you have questions, that comes across so much differently, voice-to-voice versus the email or through some automated system. And again, I tend to be more old school than most people. I mean, some people love the convenience of it. I'm not saying you replace that, but I'm saying you absolutely chase with an intro. And obviously, if it's a hiring manager, there has to be that relationship and communication already. But even if it's an HR person or an office manager, whoever shepherds that process for the organization normally should still be doing that for remote employees. Um, and again, I'm a big fan of sending those forms in advance and not having not having the first introduction to an employer be, hello, sit down and fill out these forms. You know, that feels kind of a little bit like, you know, very much like going to the DMV or the dentist, you know, <laughs> here's your insurance, right? So we want to really have that, that first touch be not form-based, but relationship-based. Here's our culture. Here's who we are. We're so excited about you. Another big piece of this is getting the employee's input. So what do you hope to get out of this? What talents do you bring? We want, we want to get to know you. So tell us about yourself. What about... This might be a big question, but yeah. what about the performance management process? Where does that come yeah. into play? And wh- when I mean by performance management, I mean things like setting goals mm-hmm. with your employee and maybe key performance indicators, yeah. uh, training schedules, um, relationship building within the team, those sort of things. Like, yeah. how does how does that all work? That's a very crucial element of this. And most of us have had the experience of starting a new job and being kind of adrift and not really knowing what we're about or what we're supposed to be doing. So reviewing that job description immediately, actually even looking at the review form, like this is what I'm going to be reviewed against and I need to know what that criteria look like. Here are the company goals for the year 2015. Here's what we're focused on. Here's your role in contributing to those things. All of things, all those things are really important to set up engagement right away. So it's not three months from now, once you're up and running, we start talking about these things. It's day one, and then also setting mini goals, because at first, it's just trying to remember where the bathroom is and where my lunch is and who that lady is that I sit next to, right? So a lot of that is going to take up mental space that we would be devoting to goals. But you'll find that if people have a really clear, structured path um, and little mini goals, like interview these three people to get a sense of what our training program is or get a, you know get a sense of our accounting practices. Um, people like to be able to check things off lists and prove that they're learning and useful and get their feet wet, but especially nice in a safe environment. So we wouldn't want to throw them to the wolves and have them start going out and seeing clients or um, you know, actually manufacturing widgets. We want to make sure that they're getting used to it if you have the luxury of doing it. And, you know, don't make sure that, you know, you understand that I've spent years also placing in, you know, placing in staffing uh, light industrial roles where it was literally, hey, go operate that machine, right? So we have folks that are in that situation too where there's less of a window for bringing someone up to speed and we get that. But making sure that they understand the safety protocol, that they feel comfortable operating the machine, that they're going to be maintaining quality, all those things are important as well too. I feel like we could probably talk about this 
subject for another hour. I know know you're very passionate (laughs) about it. But if you can leave employers with one takeaway from this conversation, what would it be? Oh, that's a hard one. But I think thinking beyond the compliance paperwork and thinking about this in terms of... But it is necessary, right? It is necessary. But thinking about... What what can we do to make this a lasting relationship? How do we set this up for success? How do we show people that not only uh, you know are we important to their role and what we do and what our expectations are, but that they are important to us and that we value the time they're putting into this training process and their onboarding and that we want to make sure that they're successful. So really challenging yourself to think outside the box and you know what what would form a warm welcome for someone. Molly Kelly of Zenium HR, thank you for joining the podcast again. Appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you. This podcast is produced by Zenium Resources, Inc., all rights reserved. For information on guests or for interview requests, please visit www.zeniumhr.com or email info at zeniumhr.com. Everything on this show should be considered educational and informational only and not personal advice. Please consult with the appropriate tax, legal, or business professional for individualized advice.